You are listening to a sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee, the historic church of Robert Murray McShane. For more sermon content, please visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk. One of the things that I greatly enjoy in life is a good movie. I just love a good movie. When I've been working hard and need to, to some rest and some relaxation and just sort of click off, give me a big pot of popcorn and a movie. And um, I like to, I, I, but don't give me the junk stuff. I want good acting. I want good cinematography. I want a good script. I want good directing. You can't always, after the movie, you just you say, well, the popcorn was good. But many, a few times, you say, wow, that just, oh, you just, did you see how he got into that? It just was so alive. And I will watch movies over and over again just to watch the acting. I know the lines, but just to appreciate the skill of the acting. Sort of like if I've got a, a free hour and a half or so in London, and I'm there in the center part, I'm off to the museum. Direct beeline to, to, the National, to the National Gallery. Beeline to the Impressionistic section. And, and spend my hour just feasting on the marvelous works of Monet and Manet and, and, uh, and some of the other great impressionists. I just love the Impressionists. Um, and then it's, I mean, you can do that because it's free, of course. But seeing them over and over again, appreciating the beauty, the splendor, the grandeur of good work. Well, we're going to look at a passage this morning. To my knowledge, um, Hollywood has never gotten a hold of this passage. Thank the Lord. They would have messed it up completely. Uh, this is, we're going to be looking at the last chapter, next to last chapter in the Bible. It's not a movie. It's not a reality show. But it is reality. It's not poetic, it's not historic, it's not didactic in its uh, a discourse of Jesus, as it were, teaching. It's a vision. And you'll see throughout, we won't be able to look at everything, of course, but you'll see throughout that the passage has got numerous references back to the Old Testament. So you uh, university literary uh, types, artistic types, delve into this. You want some beautiful, metaphoric, illustrative, grandiose visions uh, looking into Ezekiel and Jeremiah, and, and I'm going to say it wrong, but Isaiah. I grew up saying Isaiah. I'll probably go to my grave saying Isaiah. Maybe I'll learn to say Isaiah. I don't know. Put it together with, uh, with Revelation chapter 21, just the first four verses. Now, on the screen here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to uh, multitask, because that's not from Revelation. That's from Isaiah. I, Isaiah. I'm going to read Revelation, and you're going to be looking from where John got this vision. You see, it's not a vision that, you know, John was, some Saturday night, he didn't know, didn't have anything else to do, so he went to bed and had this dream. 
just sort of wrote it down. This has got this has got power. I mean, this is this is Bible. This is John had the Old Testament scriptures. This comes from uh, this got depth. There's 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 intense meaning in this. I'm going to read from Revelation chapter 21, just the first four verses, while you're going to be looking at the passage uh, in, uh, in Isaiah 65. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. In God's ways of putting things together, it's quite, quite certain John's vision refers to this. And John is bringing it further than Isaiah. John is bringing it to the end times. And he's saying basically what we see there has been fulfilled, but it's not yet. There's still more to come. Now, let's look, uh, let's see if I can get this right. Did it. We're looking at this passage, um, and I, I want to speak just for a second to maybe the 35 and under crowd, because it's possible you can be thinking, great, sign of what happens when you die? I'm, I'm young. I got 40, 50, 60, 70 years ahead of me. I'm going to get busy with living. I don't want to know quite yet. Oh, it's great that, you know, I have some a bit of assurance and so forth. But about end times and what's happening when, when you know, I'm in that. Okay, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm a polite person. I won't get up and walk out on him. That's as hard as it is his first time here. Um, so we'll pay it. Well, you know what? I so wish, I so wish that when I was 30 and 35 and beginning life and, and beginning family and, and beginning career, uh, that somebody would have taught this to me. And I would have understood kind of thing. And then maybe it would be a little bit impossible to understand it because those of us with a different color of hair that we had when we were born, or when we started growing and started getting hair, um, and you know the, the, the muscles aren't working quite as well as they used to, et cetera, et cetera. We understand this passage a little better and, think, and saying, yeah, this is the kernel of life, as it were. The, the, uh, the pain and the suffering and the tears and the sorrow, that is part of life. And what John in his vision is telling us has tremendous impact and power for us with the different color of hair, for you who still have yours. Well, 
look at some of you, and most of you have yours, the 35 and under group. And this passage uh, should direct career choices, direct um, choices in marriage, choices uh, of who you're going to marry, choices of whether you're going to be single and serve the Lord in, in, that, uh, in that capacity. So we look at John's massive vision. He's talking about a new earth, a new heaven, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. And there's this great voice that announces, that announces the, um, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, the dwelling of God is with men. He will live with them. They'll be his people. God himself will be their God. This voice comes after the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed. Now some of you fathers here have had the privilege that I have had. Some of you not yet. Some of you may won't, perhaps, because you don't have a daughter. Still time, Tim, Bev. <laughs> a year and a half ago, we have one daughter we have, and two sons. A year and a half ago, uh, our daughter got married in London. Uh, Jen and I stayed in, the, in her flat uh, a few days before, a few days afterwards, um, and we were there the morning of the wedding, of course. Now, guys, even for a wedding, half hour max, because it's our wedding, we will take a shower. <laughs> Whether we need it or not, you know, probably trim up the beard a little bit. Whether it's needed, we look at it, it's not, but it's a wedding. Yeah, I probably should polish your shoes and brush your teeth. But half hour, we're out the door. Man, not so with a woman. Early in the morning, the lady came to Jennifer's flat. She brought equipment that would make a plumber jealous. <laughs> I think she needed a trolley to bring it in. And, and we went in her room, and, I, and she was, I mean, she had a pallet. Did she have a pallet, Did she, have, she opened the box, colors, pencils, brushes, cutters, everything, and then some that could make a woman beautiful. And I don't know how long it took, but I think I took photos, I got in the shower, and they were still there. And then the time comes, we've got a beautiful car waiting for us in the, there in the, in the car park in front of the building. Jennifer walks down these, these steps, and I mean, my heart just, and the tears start. I mean, it's my only daughter, for goodness sakes. And we get in this car, and, I, and it's just, oh, wow, it just, there's, there's nothing like it, guys. It's just fantastic. And it's a lovely car, Jennifer, just Jennifer and I, sitting in the back seat, we're holding hands. It's got bows on it, and, and we're driving through the, the streets to the, to the church. I'm, 
I'm really looking good too, if I can. I'm wearing a morning suit, and it's M-O-R-N-I-N-G, not M-O-U-R. And, and I've got a, a, this tie, a blue tie that's just radiant, because it matches my wife's outfit as well. So when we're in this car and people are waving on the streets, I said, it is a nice tie, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm acting like I'm David Beckham here or something. Just, but it wasn't about me. They didn't look at me. They looked at that beautiful bride. And you know, I, I'm, I'm loving this car stuff and I'm saying, could we go around again? Kind of thing. And we got to even believe, believe it or not, we even got to church a wee bit early. For those that would know me, it was, wow, that's something. A wee bit early. And we pulled off and parked. And there were street guys that were working on something. And they came over and they were talking to Jennifer. And said, wow, that's And the church was adjacent to a park where people would go and spend a Saturday morning. And as Jennifer got out of the car, people come over and they're taking photos. I'm saying, yeah, yeah, nice tie, isn't it? But it wasn't about me. It was about the beautiful bride being prepared for her husband. And we walk in the church, we come down the aisle, everybody stands, photos start going off all over the place. And nobody even knew I was there. Well, they might have because they saw my tears, but... They didn't know I was there. Why? Because it's not about me. It's about that beautiful bride being presented to her husband. That's what similar what John is talking about here in this vision. This beautiful bride dressed for her husband, the new city, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, that's what's coming. Now, as lovely as our daughter is, as lovely as she is, she doesn't hold a candle to what John is talking about. Doesn't hold a candle. The brilliance, the beauty, the radiant splendor of a new city. The Bible talks a lot about the old and the new. The city of God, the city of Jerusalem as I said, in very illustrative, metaphorical language. As beautiful as Jennifer was or is, the great announcement is not about some human being's wedding. It's about that which is coming. The dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They'll be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. What I just read with more words than I'm going to say now, is the golden thread of the Bible. And very simply, that golden thread that ties everything together, we call it the covenant. And it's very, very simple, and what's John talking about here, he's summarizing the entirety of Scripture. And if you have a free moment this afternoon, go back and read the rest of Revelation 21 and into Revelation 22 and you'll see how beautiful indeed that holy city is. But what he's talking about here, four passages, 
from Leviticus. I've highlighted the key words. It says, I will, well, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you, and will be your God, and you shall be my people. I will dwell among the people of Israel, and will be their God, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. My dwelling place shall be with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And what John is talking about now is the culmination of this. I want to spend very brief time looking at one other aspect, because this is, this is crucial. This is crucial. This is what changes our lives. This is why the 35 and unders need to grasp this. This is not about the hereafter, although it gives us great hope. It's much more than that. Dwelling place of God in the Bible equals the Shekinah of God. Shekinah is the Greek word meaning dwelling place of God. Um, in, the, uh, in the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of the Old Testament, the word Shekinah was used in the passages that I just mentioned. Oops. Shekinah of God, after the Exodus, was typified in the cloud and fire in the desert. If you're new to the scriptures, you don't understand the cloud and the fire in the desert, don't be discouraged. Please don't be discouraged. Oh, I'm such a dummy, I didn't understand that. No, use it as an encouragement to read in the Old Testament. It's like I had to watch Braveheart three times before I understood that it was the North didn't like the people in the South. Because I didn't understand Scottish history. Still don't. Who can? Shekinah of God, symbolized in the tabernacle. Moses in the desert and in the temple with King Solomon. Solomon. God's presence comes to dwell with his people, comes to live. Both of these depict communion of God with his people. The Shekinah, the dwelling place of God in the New Testament, comes in two stages. First, very familiar passage to all of us, John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Some of some older versions, I, I didn't have opportunity to check this out because all my books are in, in Madrid. The word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. You ever read that in some of your Bibles? Tabernacled amongst us. Lived, set up his dwelling, and we beheld his glory. That's the Shekinah glory. Who is the Shekinah glory? It's Jesus Christ. In Revelation 21.3, where we're looking at now, God himself, through Jesus, dwells amongst his people. 
And in Christ, Shekinah, the dwelling of God, became incarnate. This is the passage we've looked at. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. The Shekinah glory, the Shekinah of God dwelling amongst us, what John is talking about here, how it brings all of the Old Testament, all of the New Testament, the covenant made with Abraham, fulfilled in Jesus, all of the Old Testament, all these many, many pages are about how God did that in history. Fascinating reading. Fascinating. I think, oh, and you said after, after we heard Dennis read, sort of breaks your heart. It's not pie-in-the-sky reading. Two brothers manipulating one another. You thought the Bible was boring. It's not. It's about real life. Read it. We look now at what awaits us. What happens when the final culmination appears? When Jesus returns, he says, verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. As I've said, you 35 and unders, please don't say it's great to know this stuff, but I've got a life ahead of me, and I want to live it, and I want to live it the way I want to live it. Because that's such a wrong way of looking at this thing. Um, because what is God doing here? He's bringing his people together. Today, we call that the church. We call that the community of believers. We call it the people of God. We don't call it the Jewish nation because I'm not Jewish. doesn't mean my wife isn't Jewish. I'm not going to speculate about anybody else. But I don't think many of you here are Jewish. You're what the Bible would call Gentile. Gentile, which means not Jewish. And yet here we are, part of the covenant people of God, part of the community of God, part of the place where God tabernacles, dwells amongst us. Not in the four walls, please. Not in the four walls. But within us as a community, as a people. And whereas the doors are closed at this moment, it's because it's cold outside. And I happen to see the heating bill uh, for this church. Please, we keep the doors closed. But really, the doors are opened all the time to everybody. All the time to everybody. And if you're here, you don't know Jesus, you're here because you've got some questions, 
because you're investigating, because your flatmate invited you, and you couldn't say no for the 15th time. Let me tell you something. There's nothing like belonging to the family of God. There's nothing like being a part of a community, a fellowship, no matter where you are in the world. How many non-originally Scottish people are here this morning? A number. And we come together in fellowship. You don't know Jesus, I plead with you to come to know him. Talk with somebody. Catch me after the service. Owen, who was leading in prayer. Dennis, who read. Murdoch, who prayed. Stephen, who, the presenter. The musicians, find them. Perhaps even your flatmate who invited you and ask them. We are the people of God, the community, the family of God. We have um, not this entire passage here fulfilled. You know, I wish I could, I wish it were true, but it's not. He um, it says every tear is going to be gone, there's no more death or mourning or crying or pain, and I, I don't know many of you people, but I'm, if I were a betting man, I'd put a lot of money down that says every one of us, in some respect, someplace, somehow, have our pains in life, have our sorrows, we have our hurts, dig deep, and they're there. Some of you just scratch the surface, and they're there. And you know what that means? That means we are in the here, we have the covenant community, Jesus has come, he has given to us a new life, we have hope for the future, but it's not yet. Sin still dwells amongst us, and sin causes hurt, pain, struggle, and sorrow. So when that comes upon us, it simply reminds us of what is yet to come of what is yet to come. And yet, the Bible talks about us having the first fruits that we have been sealed in Christ. We have that inheritance. My mother is going to be 89 in May. She has, what well, you call it a testament, a will, whatever. I'm quite certain I'm in it. I don't have it. It's there but not yet. It's the same thing. We have Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit, but not in the fullness. And yet, we can live, and we should live, with the idea of no more pain, no more suffering, no more crying. Not by just saying, as they would say in Spain, no pasa nada, which means it's not really a big deal. It is a big deal. It hurts. It's bothersome. I offended that person, and I know they don't like me now. And I was wrong. So what do I do? I've got the road map that directs me to my way. It's like a pharmacist who's got every, or a chemist, I guess, 
who's got every remedy for every sickness that ever existed. Perhaps some of them not yet found, but we have that every opportunity to fix, to heal, to restore the pain and the hurt and live today in restoration, live today in harmony, live today as a community. Let me just share very briefly, very briefly, how this works. I'm not going to give away any, two, just two quick examples. My wife and I have been married for 36 and a half years. I know it's hard to believe, but sometimes she still struggles with me. Do you understand? I don't know. So when that struggle happens, what do I do? You're wrong. I'm right. No. Well, yeah, I've done that. I confess. But which, incidentally, is not the right thing to do. You go back to the basics. What does the Bible tell me about working this situation out with my wife? Okay, it's really simple. I am to love her. We're not going to call it quits. I am to love her. And at the end of the day, I am to love her. So, Lord, how do I love her? Well, Mr. Hardhead Tom says God to me, why don't you try by listening to her? Why don't you try by letting her words of your offense against her penetrate your heart and realize what a jerk you are? Oh, yeah, but Lord, not Tom, don't argue with me. The Bible says it. I wrote it. You just listen to it and do it. You ask me, I'm telling you, go do it. So we sit down and we talk. We sit down and we talk. I've often said, love covers a multitude of sins. And when it doesn't, you need to go talk about it with the person or the people that have offended you. And then one very quick example uh, happened just yesterday. I got an email from a close friend. I've known him for 20-some years. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he shared with me, it just broke my heart. I almost wanted to weep, the struggles uh, with his son. Now, this person does not live in, the, in Scotland. He's not even in the UK. He lives someplace else in Europe. His first language is not English. But we've been friends for a number of years. And he says, Tom, I need your prayers. I need your help. Will you please pray with us? And he gave us details about how to pray for his son. And we know the mom and dad, and we just, we have two, three children. We put ourselves in their shoes, and our heart aches for them. And what does community do? We can't go visit them. They're too far away. What does community do? First thing I did was send the email to my wife. We pray for them. Prayed for him coming into church this morning. Continue to pray with him. I'll answer his email. Maybe I'll pick up the phone and call him and just say, brother, brother, sister, I'm with you. I share your pain. I share your hurt. I don't understand it. I hate sin. And your son is involved in sin, and it's tearing you and him apart. May God show greatly and mightily 
May he be that jackhammer, that power hammer that smashes and annihilates all pride and insensitivity that will bring this young man to Jesus Christ. Christian, you are a part of God's people. At the moment, you're a part of God's people in St. Peter's Church. Perhaps in May or June, you'll be leaving as a student. New ones will be coming in. Perhaps you've got a couple more years. Some people have said, I want to settle down in Dundee. I want to be a part of this church. They come back to Dundee to be a part of this church. Whatever your situation is, as a part of God's people, when sorrow occurs, go to the scriptures to resolve it. You've got many, many passages. Check out Colossians 3 if you want to know how to put off and put on. Look at all three, the last three chapters of Ephesians. After the first three are rich theology, the last three are a practical practice of how to live when struggles, how to live with employers and wives and husbands and children. If you still struggle, sometimes you need help. Seek out a counselor. Seek out your pastor. Seek out a friend who can help you to get out of yourself as it were and to, to get the kind of help needed that will direct you to the scriptures. And finally, if you are a believer, um, you can't look at the news, you can't read the newspaper, you can't listen to the radio, you can't walk in this world, you can't walk down these streets without knowing that there are thousands, tens of thousands in Dundee, millions across Scotland and the UK, and many millions across Europe who know nothing, who know absolutely nothing of this good news. Don't dare think about keeping it for yourself. And don't dare think about, really is about me, isn't it? Let me tell you, it isn't. It's about the body of Christ. It's about the church. It's about the people of God in the world today. In the world today. And if you're a member of this church, you're part of this congregation, you are in the world today, a part of St. Peter's, no, I'm not going to ask for a volunteer slip to sign up for any kind of road out or service or whatever. No, that's not the purpose of it. I'm just encouraging you mightily to get in, to be involved with people who know nothing. Tell me on a Friday or Saturday night in Dundee where you can go where people supposedly are having fun and know that there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering, no more hurt. Only within the fellowship of the body of Christ, the people of God, is it humanly, is it at all possible to find? If you're not a Christian, again, I urge you, come. Come. To Jesus.
Come to Jesus. Get help now. That those tears, that pain, that suffering may end. And as the Bible and help pastors, counselors, give you the tools with which you can use to find the comfort and direction throughout the rest of your lives. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your love that surpasses all understanding. We thank you for this passage that gives to us a, a glimpse of what awaits us. Father, come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. And until you do, May we have and live and experience and know those first fruits of having our tears wiped, dried, the mourning turned to joy, the sorrow turned to relief, the pain turned to healing. As we look to you, Holy Spirit, for your presence, your power in our lives to do your work. And then, Father, may these, the doors of this church never, ever be closed. But instead, may our eyes be upon a world who knows nothing of what we've seen in your word today. We ask it in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee. If you found this sermon has been helpful to you, please help us to continue building up and assisting the people of God. Visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk For information and training on persuasive evangelism and how to share your faith biblically, please visit the website of SOLAS, the Centre for Public Christianity, at solas-cpc.org. Once again, that website address is solas-cpc.org. Thanks for listening.